Yes, on uh, September 1st, 1998, um, I came on staff here at Solid Rock Church. And um, and uh, while on some level, the, the, um, that is a, you know, congratulations to me, and that's, that's appropriate. Um, but I think it's also uh, gives a, an opportunity for me to thank those who, especially those who have been here like the full 25 years, um, because um, the relationship between any pastor and their church is one, it's like a, a marriage, it's like a very, you know, uh, immediate family type relationship. So you see each other at your best, you see each other at your worst, you see each other when you're going through trials, you see each other when you're on the mountaintop. And so 25 years of anybody could be, could wear and tear on you. Um, so I would like to thank you for um, uh, putting up with me. Um, for those those amount of years, and for if you're here less than 25 years, thank you for deciding to make this uh, your church. Even though I have been one of the staff members and pastors, <laughs> um, and that's just stated from just a real like familiarity can oftentimes breed contempt, and I don't feel contempt from you guys. So I just want to thank you so much for that. Um, so if you if you have your Bible, which I know there are only a few people who even need those nowadays because you have your devices. You can go to your device, uh, Ephesians chapter 6. We're just going to read as we close out um, the what are we prepared to do in light of the supernatural storyline of the Bible. This, this uh, past month has been um, a what are we prepared to do about that? What, how, how does that function in our lives? So we're going to start at verse 10 and read through verse 20. Just to give the context and where we are, obviously our focus, if you've been here uh, throughout August and um, today, our focus has been and will be uh, 18 through uh, 20, specifically 19 and 20. Um, but verse 10, reading from the ESV, starts like this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith which, with which you can extinguish all the fiery darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Praying at all times in the spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert and be with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day which you have made. Thank you for your mercy and grace that you, though you've had opportunity because we are not as faithful as we ought to be, Thank you for your mercy and grace and your love, which is everlasting and never-ending. 
Thank you for allowing us to be recipients of that mercy, grace, and love. Lord, may what we have received not only shape how we look at others, may it shape how we interact with others as well. Father, we want to be able to say how great is our God, not only under the roof of the church, but with our very lives and in the way we communicate with others. We want the impact of interaction with us to be that people are mindful of you. So, Lord, would you help us, one, that we would have the will, that our desire, that our spirit would want that. And thank you that your Holy Spirit, that's all he wants to do is glorify you. But, Lord, would you also help us hear things that will give us a measure of skill in interacting with others for your glory. I pray that you would increase and that I would decrease, and I pray that you would do what is impossible for me to do. I cannot speak to each one of these people in a direct way. They can hear the sound of my voice, but Lord, my desire is for them to hear your voice for us all. So Lord, would you please do that in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I do, do need to correct one of the announcements. Um, so the GRT Day is not actually here at the church. Um, GRT Day is going to be at Woodridge Elementary School, which is in Hyattsville. Some of you live in that neighborhood. It would be a good opportunity for you to interact with some of your neighbors. Um, but that's actually going to be not here at the church. Um, it's going to be at Woodridge Elementary School. So I mentioned uh, earlier that, that we were in a series. We had been in a series from October to July on the supernatural storyline of the Bible. Um, so there are going to be some things that, that if you weren't here for that, I, I don't have, for if, there's no way to even summarize that entire time. In, there's no way to even do that, right? So I apologize in advance for like where you may need to catch up, but I do commend it to you. If you go on our website, you can uh, have that listening to it. Um, uh, and I just want to, uh, again, springboard from, something that was said uh, in the sermon on May 21st, which was uh, entitled Faithfulness in Evangelism. Uh, faithfulness in Evangelism was preceded by a message about land, the concept of land in the Bible, and a kind of uh, theology of land was shared at that, per at that point in time. And eventually one of the outcomes, one of the results, one of the things that we should have taken note of is that human beings are actually land that God now possesses, anthropologically speaking, right? And even if, you, if you're a person like me and have done funerals, then you know that one of, the, one of the ways you close that ceremony out is you say ashes to ashes and dust to dust, right? Because you know that the body will decompose into the ground from which it came. Um, but here's what Pastor Kurt said about taking possession of the land. Uh, taking possession of the land is now anthropological, not geographical. So we all know, if we're familiar with our Bibles, that the children of Israel, after they left Egypt, they were supposed to go and uh, conquer uh, the land. Um, and eventually they, they got there, but the first generation got tripped up because the people in the land looked like giants. Um, but they were dwarfs compared to God. Right? <laughs> um, Pastor Kurt says, spiritual warfare, biblically speaking, is not just you resisting the devil. If someone were to ask God, what is spiritual warfare? 
he would not say that it is human beings resisting the devil. He would start with it being about him, God, against the gods, the lesser cosmic powers of evil in heavenly places, and that we, his people, play a role in his plan against those gods. And one of those roles is interacting with other human beings because God is still taking possession of land. But now, as stated, he's doing it anthropologically, not geographically. Um, so this week is meant to, last week was meant to just help us gain a paradigm for like our role in sharing with others and what our outlook should be on other people when we, um, when we come from God's perspective. Remember, the first great commandment, what's the great commandment Jesus was asked? What's the greatest? I mean, remember, there's a bunch of laws, a bunch of commands, right? But what is the greatest? And basically, oh, okay, we want to, all right. But yes, it's the love, I'm going to summarize, love God with everything, right? And then Jesus did not stop there. The second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. So with Jesus, I mean, this, 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 you all know this, so, but I'm, I want to emphasize it. Look at Jesus being asked one question, and then he can't help himself but to go to the second. So loving our neighbor as ourself must be very important as it relates to God's economy of things. That, that there's no way to love him with everything and hate our neighbor. That there's no, there can be no way to do that. That it doesn't qualify who our neighbor is. As a matter of fact, he went on to, to, to in, in Luke, that, remember the person who asked there, he wanted to justify, well, who is my neighbor? And then he gives the parable of the Good Samaritan, right? So really, the person in need is your neighbor, right? So our disposition, I believe, should be one that is looking for people who are in need. Now, need is sort of relative, and it's out there, period. There can be emotional need. There can be economic need. Uh, there can be relational need. There can be all types of needs. And so we may be, as, as God's people, may be drawn to certain kinds of needs, and that's fine. But may we have eyes that look for need. Because I believe that that is important to God. As a matter of fact, I believe it's so important. I, I love this, 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 this verse in 1 Timothy chapter 2. I mean, it's talking about prayer, but, but, but the manner in which it shifts, almost like, almost like what Jesus, Jesus' answer about the first greatest commandment. Let's actually see if you can see what I'm talking about. 1 Timothy 2, beginning at verse 1. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for saved people. No, for all people, for kings and for all, all who are in high positions. Doesn't matter what your political party is, for kings and all who are in high positions. No matter what you think about their policies, for kings and all who are in high positions. Because it's a means to an end that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life. Now, I know Americans getting excited about that. Peaceful and quiet life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Yes, we're for that, right? Godly and dignified in every way. This is good. And it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior. No period but a who desires all 
people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. And then he starts going into who God is, and I'll read it in a moment, but, but I want to pause right there. The reason that we should desire to live a quiet and peaceable life is so that we can freely share the gospel with other people because God desires everyone to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. So I'm going to pause right there and just ask, like, how do you view your freedom? How do you view your peace? How do you view your comfort? And when I say that, I'm, I'm asking me too. So don't, how do we? How do we? Are they only to be enjoyed? Or is it to be used as a platform that springs us into telling other people about the God who has made it so that we can enjoy the things that we can enjoy? He desires for all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God. There is one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. For this I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I am telling the truth. I am not lying, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. Remember the Jews would have thought, Paul would have thought, He it's recorded in Scripture, that he thought that God was only interested in the Jewish faith, in the Jews. So when he heard of Jesus, what was he doing when he met Jesus? Well, he met Jesus after he heard of Jesus, he heard of Jesus and he got mad because he thought Jesus could no way be the Messiah. And so he got, he got authority to go and put people in jail who believed in Jesus and was on his way to Damascus and Jesus met him through a vision. And it was there that he became this preacher and apostle. After he gets healed, he starts preaching right away. He had been prepared his whole life for what God have for him. But God's disposition is for all people to be saved. He demonstrated this by sending his son. He demonstrated it by saving Paul and allowing him to preach. And not just Paul, but Peter and the other apostles. And he demonstrates it by saving you and me and sending us into our world. Remember Romans 10. Romans 10 lets us know that people can't believe on him and whom they haven't heard. So how can they be saved if they don't hear? And, 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 who, and who can tell about Jesus except those who know Jesus? So yes, this is, this is a mosaic. This is a, this is a mosaic of just how our paradigm should be put together in terms of God's disposition. Yes, there is wrath to come, but the wrath isn't here now, and we can tell as many people about the goodness of God that they can begin to experience now, today. Our prayers should precede our going out in, in, in 18 through uh, 20 of Ephesians 6. We see that there's the request for prayer and then for all people, for all of God's people. And then Paul says, hey, like remember me, that words may be given this morning. Prayer is never far from redemption. So even in this 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 7, we see prayer so that we can live a certain way. And the assumption is, that we will use our platform, our context, to share the gospel because God desires all people to be saved. And I love this. I love this. I love this. For there is one God, verse 5. I'm, I'm, I'm repeating it for a reason. There is one 
God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus Christ, verse 6, who gave himself as a ransom for how many? That's what scripture says, all. Scripture says for all. So my interaction with people is not going to, my interaction has nothing to do with like uh, my reformed theological bent because I am, I do believe that everything starts with God. Um, so I'm bent in the reformed direction. But Jesus gave himself as a ransom for all, all kinds of people. And I don't know who those people are and who they are not. I just know who I am, right? And I know that I am a child of the king that we've been singing to this morning. So when we have in mind the, the, the disposition of God toward humanity, listen to what Randy Newman says in his excellent book, Questioning Evangelism. It's, it's old now, there may be another edition than the one I'm quoting from, but it says this. Remembering God's disposition, let's, let's remember that the church is calling then, in addition to proclaiming the gospel, feeding the poor, building up families, and encouraging the downtrodden, must also include intentional efforts to build plausibility structures. Consider the Apostle Paul's outline of his ministry agenda in 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5. After defending himself against his critics, who wondered why he did things the way he did, he states, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. End of the quote of 2 Corinthians. Newman goes on to say, we can imagine some of the weapons of this world that Paul had in mind. Jargon, rhetoric, flashy images, emotional manipulation, and sales techniques. Things that we, things that, that have as much appeal <laughs> as annoying pop-up ads. Weapons we would endorse include praying for people, quoting scripture, handing out tracts, and claiming boldly the good news. But certain weapons, the ones that are able to demolish strongholds, demolish arguments, and take every thought captive, differ from those in the more common arsenal. Such weapons include dialogue, discussion, challenging converse, excuse me, challenging questions, well-crafted explanations about life's difficulties, and thought-provoking articles about various topics addressed from, he says Christian, but I'll say scriptural perspectives. These weapons topple the weak scaffolds upon which people are standing so they see the need for something more solid. They take thoughts prisoner and make them submissive to a new master. The logic of scriptural truth. They tear apart ideas in which people have trusted. That is their strongholds. So that they see the tenuousness of their situation. These weapons, the dialogue, the discussion, the challenging questions, the well-crafted 
explanations about life's difficulties, etc. Are the special weaponry that we want to try to help us to have confidence to interact with. Most of us are not going to take a, a microphone and a, and, a, and, a, and a speaker and just start preaching out on the side of the road. No, that's While there's a place for that, um, the place, uh, th there is a place for that. I, I will never, uh, you know, demean that at all. Um, and, and I used to do that, but that's not why I wouldn't demean it. I wouldn't demean it because, because God can use anything. God can use everything. But I do believe that the more effective is to is precision. I don't. I, this is going to be for people who are older. But when um, when uh, the United States was was bombing Iraq, um, they were talking about these smart bombs that were supposed to be like so precise that like no civilians would get. There would be no civilian casualties. We we want to be able to take God's word and deliver it in a in a smart way with precision to what that person that we're speaking with is going through, not what the whole world. Because most of us are not going to have that platform. But we do have people in our lives. We do have people we work with. We have people in our families. We're going to interact with, with we're going to see some familiar faces at the grocery store, or we're going to have neighbors with whom we interact. That's where the dialogue, the discussion, the challenging questions, and the well-crafted explanations about life difficult, life's difficulties are pertinent. And I believe, even though Paul had a worldwide stage, obviously, and continues, to have one through the writing of scripture. I believe we can glean some things that we can use in our interpersonal interactions that can help us, even though his context was more wide and broad than most of us. And that's found in Acts chapter 17. Um, in 16, Paul had been, actually no, earlier in 17, Paul, I believe, had been uh, run, out of, <laughs> run out of one city and then he, I think Thessalonica, and then he went to Athens. And you can read how Paul felt about being there, but eventually um, he goes to Mar a place called Mars Hill where they did nothing but they were just philosophers, right? So all they did was talk about things, talk about what was, what was talked about the, 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 the dynamics of this and that and how valuable this was and that was. And so Paul got an opportunity to speak, and this is what he did, beginning in verse 22. And we're not—we're going to walk through the passage, but we're going to, by walking through it, I mean, I'm not going to read the entirety all at once. I'm going to pause. Verse 22, so Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, that's the exact place where they were, said, men of Athens, I perceive that in every way, you are very religious. Change my mind. I'm going to read it all. Um, <laughs> for, for as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription, to the unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man nor is served by human hands as though he needed anything since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet 
He is actually not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. Even some of your own prophets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like silver or gold or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this, he was given assurance <clears throat> excuse me, to all by raising him from the dead. Now, when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, but others said, we will hear you again about this. So Paul went out of their midst. So what's there? there's a lot going on here. Um, but remember uh, that what, what Mr. Newman said about dialogue, discussion, challenging questions, etc. So let's look at some of the things Paul did here that I believe like give us some, some, some things to work with. First of all, Paul, uh, he said, I perceive in every way that you are very religious. Now, to so... To perceive is to become aware of, know, or identify by means of the senses. Uh, as far as we know, there's no scriptural record of Paul having gone to Athens before Acts 17. So, Paul goes there. He sees what's going on with the city. He checks it out. I know me. Whenever I go somewhere, I like to check out everywhere. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not, you know, from the CIA or anything, but I do like to look for every exit and all of that. Not in a place like this. But like if I like if I move somewhere, which we moved a ton, uh, hopefully we're not moving again. But um, but we moved a ton, so I'm looking for every way that we can possibly get to my house, or every way to get to work, or every. If I go there frequently, I'm looking for like the background, all of that. So. Paul, it seems, because he perceives, he's paying attention to what the Athenian people are all about. So he's proactive in looking and calculating what does it for these people. What's important to them? What are their values like? Right? Um, I, I'll, just, I'll just say this, and I could be getting ahead of myself, but that's, that's fine. I, 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 I'll try not to repeat myself too much. But there are ways in which we can perceive a lot about people just by seeing them. And I don't know if you trained yourself to do this or not, but you can, you, just by looking at somebody, just, just by looking at me, uh, not, not me, but let's say I had on a commander's jersey um, and I had on, um, you know, if I had that on and I start talking to you and I'm like this, there, there are a few things you'll see. If I, and also if I talk a certain way, you probably can tell like where I'm from. If you're from the DMV and I say, hey, man, that joint right there, is good. I mean, you, 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 you understand or like, man, they tripping or like, man, I can go way back and say, man, they really lunched out right now. That'd be for the real OGs lunched out, but that's real, that's real old. Um, but there are certain ways you can talk, and plus DMV has a way of recycling our slang as well. Um, so, so we say, some people still say joint like me. Um, but if I'm talking to you and I'm like this, and I have on a commander's joint, first thing you see is I'm, I'm African American. That gives you some kind of, that, excuse me, it can give you some kind of baseline. Don't don't be too don't don't get too cocky, but it can give you some kind of baseline. 
because I might be like the Carlton. I'm not the Carlton, but I might be like Carlton, <laughs> right? I could be. I could be like that. See, some people that seen Fresh Fresh Prince of Bel Air. So I could. I could be like him. I'm not, but I could be. You don't know, but you see, I'm an African American dude. Right? You see that? You see, if I'm talking like this, you see that I'm married. Right? You see that I'm married. If, if, I mean, and I got my hair cut low, I don't have to do this anymore, so you can see I have gray in my hair, so you can see, okay, so he's older, he, which, he, he, thank you. Um, <laughs> so if I had on the Commanders gear, you see I'm a Commanders fan. All of those can be ways that you figure out how to talk to somebody. All of them. Hey, man, you excited for the season? Next week, I can't wait, man. Arizona's in town. Why? Because the Commanders are. Um, you, you, if you hear me talking a certain way, I remember uh, some of you have heard this before, but I'll never forget. I, I was going somewhere. I was in line to get on a plane, and there were some people behind me, and this man was like, hey, are you Voice? I don't know if any of you know who Voice is, but Kirk Kennedy used to be Voice. So he's like, hey, are you Voice? I was like, oh, no, nah, no, nah, I'm not Voice. I was like, we grew up around the same area. He's like, oh, oh, yeah, because you sound like him. Oh, okay. Right, the cadence, the cadence for now, I didn't say what this guy, who this guy was. So to him, to him, we talked with the same type of cadence, okay? To him, we sounded the same. That's all I'm going to say. It's just to him, we sounded like. So I'm like, no, we, we, just, we just grew up in the same area. Oh, okay, yeah, no problem. But, but, you, but you, can, you can make deductions about people. Now, you can't be, you cannot be. So stereotypical, because I've done this too. I've been so confident that my foot's been in my mouth. Try not to do that. That's awkward. I mean, you have to find ways to, like, recover from that if you do that. Like, you know, I mean, it could be that I hate the commanders, but this was somebody gave me something, and I was just running out the house to get a, get, get, get a cup of coffee right quick, and I just don't care how it looks, and it's boom. I mean, that, that, could, that could be the case. But we should be perceptive and trying to look for entryways into conversations with people. Not just to be conversational, but to try to engage with the great name that we sing about. To be able to bring Jesus to bear in their lives. And we don't know what their lives are like unless we talk to them. Like I said, oh, this dude is, hey, are you voice? No, I'm not. But he, but he, took, he took, I appreciate him, he took the, he took the leap. And, and, and that's, that was fine with me. That's no problem with me. But, but what do you perceive about the culture? Are you, are you uh, and I am getting ahead of myself here, but, but we should find ways that we, can, that we can connect with people, not dismiss people. We want to connect. We don't want to dismiss. In our culture, it is easy to dismiss. If you watch any news, it's easy to dismiss one or the other, Right? If you're a conservative, it's easy to dismiss liberals. If you're a liberal, it's easy to dismiss conservative. If you're me, it's easy to dismiss everybody. Cause, cause, <laughs> Verse 23. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found an altar with this inscription. So Paul isn't doing anything abnormal. He's just passing along and he just has his eyes open to anything that he can take note of 
so that he can find an entryway to speak with them about Jesus. Right? So, so I'll keep that up there, please. So he's just passing along, and then he's observing. He's observant. He's observant. He's observant of the objects of their worship. Paul is a worshiper. So here's where we begin to see, like, the, the common denomination. Paul is a worshiper. He doesn't say that they're not worshipers. He believes they worship the wrong thing. Supernatural storyline. They worship, they trust in the wrong thing. Right? So he's looking for the objects of their worship. Now, the objects of worship don't have to be um, an altar. He found an altar. It doesn't have to be an altar. The objects, if, if, if just, just, I'm interested in people's, the story behind people's tattoos. Because they make a statement about something about the person. They may have a name tattooed on them. Oh, yeah, that's my son's name. That's my daughter's name. That date is important because of this. Oh, my mom always told me about this scripture, so I put it on my forearm. The tattoos tell a story. So to ask, I mean, this could be personal, but it's also, in our culture, it's not very personal. Hey, man, what's that tattoo, tattoo, that tattoo all about right there? And you listen and you learn about this person a little bit. Um, so that, that's, that's an entryway. That's a way to get to know about people so that you can speak with precision about Jesus to them, right? Um, even some people get, you know, personalized tags. They're a veteran. I'm, 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 a, I'm a veteran. So when I see veterans, I don't have veterans tags, but when I see them, I'm like, oh, man, I wonder what branch they're in. Oh, they're in the Army. That person's disabled. He's a disabled veteran. You know, those, I, I just try to just be aware. Because, not that I think I'm going to, I'm like, I'm not following them, so I just talk to them. But I just, <laughs> I just happen to see that, so I just, like, go, go. I just, I just, I just try to develop that, that mindset, work that muscle, so that I'm just taking note of, like, what's around me. So, we may not find inscriptions, even though, like, a tattoo is a form of inscription, right? Um, but we might find clues along the way, the words people use, how they talk about family, how they talk about children, how they talk about race, how they talk about politics, how they speak about things are all data points of how we may be able to interact with this person. Or not interact with them, meaning, okay, if they talk strongly in this area and we know that's going to be a, like a buzz, a, a buzz kill, like we, our first conversation doesn't need to be like that if we disagree with them. Right? Okay, we don't need to talk about that. We don't need to talk. I, I remember my friend George, who's a pastor, he told me that there was this woman uh, who had become a member of his church, and he asked her um, about something that she was doing in her life. She was pretty new, and he was like, you know, to follow Jesus, you may have to, like, give this up. But she was like, Pastor, I love Jesus so much that, like, I don't care what I have to give up to follow him. There's certain topics that it's wise to be timely with, right? So if you start right off, then, I mean, you may have been faithful from the double-barrel shotgun perspective of evangelism, but you haven't gotten to a point where you can demolish strongholds and arguments. And that is way more effective than the double-barrel. The double-barrel is caricature. That's the caricature that, that's of us. But the engaging, the strongholds, that's, 
That's something else. That's on a different level. That's on a different level. So Paul, he looks for, he looks for a place of commonality. And once he gets a place of commonality, because some, some people in their evangelism survey, they're like, you know, they, they don't know how to, how to pivot from, like, you know, just a natural conversation, you know, to a conversation um, about the Lord. And obviously that's, that's going to, you're, you're going to interact on, uh, about the Lord with someone, like, you have the freedom to interact with them uh, in a strong way, like if you already have built up, like, a, a, a rapport with them. Like, if they know you're for them, then you can, then you can be strong with them. This is what I mean. We had this, this evangelism course called Alpha, and there was, this, uh, there was this guy who came, I won't say his name in case he's looking on uh, live stream or something. That'd be very surprising. No, if he's looking, then come to church, my brother. <laughs> but um, this guy was, he, we, we were out, he was out when we had the bench before somebody ran it over, the one that used to be right out here in front of the church. He was sitting there and he was complaining about something and he was and he was saying something and then he was saying it in a real self-justified way. And because he, this was probably like the seventh or eighth class, I was like, man, my only question is like, where is God in all this? And I don't remember what, what he was saying, but I just remember he was just up in arms. And I remember at the time I was like, man, that, that stung me a little bit. A couple weeks later, he came and told me that he had received Christ as his Savior. And he said that that question was the question that got his mind to thinking about Jesus. Where's the Lord in all this? But we had a rapport. I don't just go up talking to people like, hey, man, where's Christ in all this? <laughs> no, I, I, I don't do that. I mean, I'm from the DMV, so I understand, like, there's certain, there's, there's certain ways you got to come, right? So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not entering in that way. But once you once you gain a commonality with folks, and once people see that you are for them and not against them, once they understand where you're coming from, then you have you can have the ability to speak um, in ways that may cut to the heart. Not not I mean you just have to be uh, flexible too and just in tune with the spirit in terms of like what, what you're doing in faith because you know you may say something and you don't and you're not, you haven't done all that work, but it may, it may work. God is over everything, but more commonly, uh, I would advise find a place of commonality. Because some people in the evangelism survey did reference like they didn't want to get into arguments. I'm like, man, how are you going to get into arguments? Like it's, because it's not, about, it's not about a tug of war. I mean, there is a tug of war, spiritually speaking, but it's not like a tug of war between you and the person. Like you don't have, even if you prove everything beyond a shadow of a doubt, it does not mean that someone is going to say, what must I do to be saved? Some people have even said, like, I just, some people, like, a, like a, I think I read something from a guy named Josh McDowell. He shared everything with, the, with this person. He said, he asked the person, so are you ready to receive Jesus? He was like, no, I'm not. Do you have any questions? No, I don't. I just don't want to follow Jesus. He just don't want to. All right, he don't want to, man, hey, today's not the day of salvation for him. It may be another day, or it may not be a day for him, but, but God reached out to him, right? So when we, when we interact with people, it's not about us, even though we look for ways to um, interact with people, right? So some of, some of, the, some of the, 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 
some of the things that I believe are important, just a, uh, like a handful of things, a couple of things that I think are important to our society, um, and I'm probably speaking about a specific generation, um, but I won't label who that generation is, but, um, but I think justice is very important. That's, that's one of the, I'll say one of the gods. Um, I think uh, perfection is one of the gods as well. If, if, you, if you are a parent, the amount of parenting books and the amount of subjects within parenting that you're like looking at to see, like, make sure you do it perfectly, when there is no perfect way, I'm telling you. There's no perfect way. I mean, breastfeeding, some of our children managed to get on with that program, and some of them didn't. I mean, what you going to do, man? You know what I'm saying? You better thank God for that formula when that joint don't work. Shoot. Thank God that they're going to live. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I can't just, uh, man, it's all right. It's all right. Natural. Hey. Hey. All right. Anyway, perfection. <laughs> Healing. I think it, it's not in our generation. Yeah. You know, the amount of, the amount of focus we have on trauma. And over, I, I think healing. Not, I'm, so I'm talking about emotional healing, right? And I don't think we'll ever get away from just self being one of the gods. Period. That's just, that's that's just one. Now, can we relate to any of those? I can relate to all of them. I want a perfect life, man. Yeah, there are people who have wronged me, and even if they apologize, that just shows that it wasn't perfect. Then if they didn't apologize, then where's the, where's the justice? Until I think about like, hey, you know what, I think I probably did some wrong to people too. But I don't want the justice. <laughs> I want some understanding for me being imperfect, right? That's what I want right there, right? I want healing, but does healing mean that every single thing about what hurt me is made right? I don't know. Not always. Sometimes that may be possible, but, but I would think that in most cases that's not even a possibility. Some people may be dead. Some people may, like, you, you can't change there's certain doors that we open. We cannot change having opened that door. But is there a healer? Is there one who is perfect and who will make things align with his perfection? There is. Is there one who will impose justice on all? Either through the fact, the reality that he paid for their sins, took their place, on the cross, receive the penalty that, penalty that they deserve from God on himself so that they would be able to be treated as if they never sinned. That may not be the type of justice that we want, but it is just in God's sight. And God will deliver us from ourself. I don't know about you, but there are some things about me that I don't like. I'm not talking about, like, I'm not talking about things I can't help. I mean, my nose is what it is, my DNA. I mean, you know, it's just certain things are what, what, what they are. I'm talking about 
choices that I make, my bent in a certain direction. But one day God is going to redeem all of that, right? So myself doesn't have, I don't have to as self trust in myself. I have to trust in the one who will change me and will make me like him. People need to know, like, you don't have to be perfect. Not, not, that, not, not that you are not. See, there's a certain way you can craft, you can word things that can put the emphasis on the wrong place. So, so if I say, I can tell you that you're enough. And from a human perspective, I mean like you're enough. But, man, who's enough when it comes to God? None of us are enough. Nobody's enough. But God has made a way in Christ for us to stand before him, right? We have this message that we can, that we, that we can share with people. I have grandchildren, so now you, that's, like I said, whole different worlds, right? Different worlds. So parents were telling me about some of the thoughts that the grandchildren have that are just like real deep thoughts. I mean, one, one child real, realizes that they, they might, you know, need to listen a little better. That is good. That's a good thing. But listen to how he expressed it. I'm such a bad boy. I don't listen. This, this boy is only, I can't say how old he is because you don't know who he is. So I'm, if you know my grandchildren. But, 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 but his mind is already evaluating like between good and bad, like where he, where he is. He's in lower elementary school. I'll say that. <laughs> and he's already like thinking that way all by himself. Nobody's, nobody's telling him that. But he's evaluating himself and his conscience must be very tender. But it's also overboard. But he doesn't know Jesus. Right? So, so, so a way to combat him is that, yes, if he's talking to me, yes, grandson. We all are short when it comes to God. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. But you know what God did? He knew how weak we are. He says, well, we're only dust. He even sees us that way. But you know what he does? He sent his son, Jesus, Jesus Christ, so that the wrong that we do, like it was paid for by Jesus, so that the penalty for doing wrong is not to just be like a bad boy, but it's to trust in what Jesus has done and to ask him to make us more like him. So that's how I would talk to him. So I don't know how you would talk to the various people and speaking to the various worlds in which you find yourself, but I would challenge you to do this to, to help you begin to like look at that. So do this exercise. Please do this exercise. Look at yourself. Remember how I said if you saw me, just every characteristic that you have, not everyone, but, you know, like that people would see and, or experience. African, I've done this, African-American, married, married for a long time, children, grandchildren, homeowner, veteran, commander's fan, <laughs> all DMV area team fan. <laughs> so I'm a homer, that's me. And whatever else, okay, born in November. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Somebody better praise him up in here. 
from Prince George's County. And then I'll have more things, right? And I will use those because all of those are pathways into other people's spaces. And I'm a personal space type dude. But if you come in the right way, I'll invite you into that space. Talk about the commanders, you in that space. <laughs> Talk about the wonderful front office of the Washington Wizards now, you in that space. <laughs> Talk about children, grandchildren. You're in. Have you seen Meet the Parents in the Circle of Trust? You're not really in the Circle of Trust yet, but you like you 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 a step close. You like you you close enough. I mean, you are, you're not gonna be in the circle. You know, I'm not. I'm from the DMV, so you're not gonna get in this. But but you might be welcome to just look in the window a little bit of the Circle of Trust, right? So what can we do to help people allow us to look into their windows of trust? I believe if we mapped out like who we are. And then we try to open our eyes to what we see around us, then we might perceive something, we might find something, we might observe something that provides a bridge to be enter into their world and to we don't have to have all the answers. Remember, just try to think conversationally and introducing one friend to another. Instead of, I need a bridge. One friend. <laughs> one friend to another, and you share how Jesus is the answer to your hurt if you need healing, to your observations of imperfection, to your need for justice. Well, where does all of that come from? It comes from being made in God's image and knowing that the world as it is should not be the way it is. So Jesus speaks into that. And we speak in, we speak Jesus into that. He's already there, but people don't recognize him because they don't know about him. We get to introduce people. And so the way we pivot those conversations is by finding a way of commonality, acknowledging where things are, and then having thought about how does Jesus speak into this situation. So I hope you did what I asked you to do last week, but if you didn't, can do it this week. Remember, I ask you to pray for us that we would think about, we would eavesdrop over conversations or even rehearse conversations we've had where it did not go well and think about how it could have went well. Let hindsight serve you, not only for that conversation, but for the conversations to come because Jesus is the answer for people. God is contending for people's souls. He's trying to release them from the strongholds and the arguments that exalt themselves against him. And he's doing it mainly, most clearly, through conversations that his people have with others who don't know. So I would ask you to please pray that prayer again, but also please do the mind map of yourself, who am I, and then look for ways that you can connect with people, your neighbors, your classmates, anyone with whom you interact. And, and if you go to this church, you have my number. You can text me and say, how would you do this or how would you do that? And I, I might have the answer. I may not. I may refer you to a book. I, who knows? Um, you can do that to, to myself or the pastor. For we'd be after he comes back from sabbatical, after you see him. Yeah. And you can do that then.
Um, but, but we want, our desire is to see people be baptized right up here as a result of conversations that you've had with them. So please pray that prayer that in 2024, we see many of those conversions from conversations. Conversations that you've had. Not that they came to the church and loved this or loved that. No, that, that you had with them. Obviously, as Pastor Kurt says, somebody can plant and someone can water. Um, but please see the role of yourself in the great endeavor. Because now, remember, as Pastor Kurt said, if you were to ask God where would where does spiritual warfare or the supernatural storyline begin, he would start with it being about him against the gods, the cosmic powers of evil in heavenly places. And we as his people play a role in his plan against those gods. That's not going to change. That's the way it is. We play a role. So I hope that you feel like you have some tools to be able to play that role with confidence and to do it with boldness and vigor and that you would be okay with, with the, with the out, outcome. For in verse 32 of Acts 17, it says that when some, now when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked. Some will mock. But others said, we will hear you again about this. We can't affect the outcome, but we can participate in the process. And we can leave it to God. So please see that you play a role. Embrace that role and hone your skills so that you can be more effective. And Lord, we ask you that you would empower us to do just that. May we play our role. Would you, would you please glorify yourself? Would you glorify yourself by saving some? Would you give people ears to hear what your spirit has to say? Would you help us to be familiar enough with your word to even paraphrase it to people so that they can understand who you are? And Lord, may we hone our skills of interaction and engagement intentionally so that we can be used for your glory and for your purposes because we understand that this is not about us against other humans. This is about you against the cosmic powers of darkness. Use us, we pray. Thank you for doing this. In Jesus' name. for that word, Mike. Um, we do have a couple questions this morning. Um, there's a few in the same vein, so I'll, I'll try and get those together in, in some ways. Um, there's, when it comes to evangelism or um, even declaration of faith from the Lord, a lot of us believe things about ourselves that can stop us from doing it. Um, maybe I might be not an introvert. How can we think rightly about that, about ourselves and not let it become automatic? Well, from my fa one of my children's favorite movies, What About Bob? <laughs> I would say that person, people like that should try to take baby steps. They shouldn't try to 
see themselves on a mic. All right, everybody, you need to say. No. They need to first, I think, have the conversation in their mind. That's why I started with, like, eavesdropping. Because you can have a conversation in your mind about what's unfolding. Um, you can uh, also, I mean, you have to also sort of create files in your mind for, like, reaching out to people and, like, what you would say to this kind of person, what you would say to that kind of person. Um, and then, you know, I think, like, even though I don't know how much I've done this, but I think, like, it would, it would make a lot of sense to um, bounce your thoughts off of someone else, you know, off of other believers. It's like, hey, you know, because now that we know that we're going to try to do this, like, we can say, hey, you know what, I heard this conversation in which the person said this. I'm not sure what I would say to that. What do, what do, you, what do you think about that? Um, and you may be able to get a perspective that's different from your own. Um, you, that person, people like that probably know people who are extroverts. Um, this has helped me in other areas, um, and that is just think about what that person would do in this situation. So if so, I, I think in parenting and in marriage, there have been times where it's like, man, I, I just don't know what to do. Okay, what would such and such do? They probably would do this. So then I may have tried that, and it may have been effective. It may have worked. It may have uh, tied things over for a while. Um, I think when it comes to evangelism and reaching out to people that rather than thinking in terms of like a finished product, just think in terms of a process. You're in process of improvement. All of us should be in process of improvement um, and becoming comfortable with engaging people um, that's going to be a process. And I would say, you know, I think maybe try to hang around with people. I mean, opposites normally kind of attract, so maybe that they probably already have some people like that. But sometimes affinity is a great attractor as well, so they may not hang with people. Um, but I would say try to designate a person who's your go-to engager um, and just ask. Ask them, as I mentioned, uh, ask me, ask Pastor Kurt. I am not... An extrovert, that's not what I am. I'm, I may be an ambivert by this time, but I'm not, I'm telling you, after a certain amount of time, I need to get away from y'all. I, I just, I'm, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be charged up by hanging with you. I'm, it's going to cost me something. So it's like, okay, that's, that's just me. I don't mean any harm. There's nothing against anybody. But at a certain point, man, I'll be in my room. Uh, <laughs> lock the door behind you. Nah, we, we ain't going like that. We off on the DMV. Man, I'm getting real tired tomorrow. I got to get up early, man. You know, <laughs> you got to go. Um, but, uh, but anyway, find people that you can bounce your ideas off of. Try to out play your ideas out in your mind to see if it makes sense. Try to find phraseology that you may use with different people, but it's the same. Just have a go-to. You know, don't think you have to create everything like all at once. It's a process. Um, we also have um, one other question. Uh, you mentioned earlier about um, the Alpha course. Uh, are there any plans to do any kind of evangelism course here at, at The Rock and um, anytime soon? How many people uh, would like to would like would like to see 
that type of course here is corrupt. Riches raising hand if you're a member. Okay, okay. All right, all right, all right, okay. No, no, keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. All right, everybody, look around. Look around. Look around. All right, so what should my answer be? Come on. It should be yes? All right, okay, okay. This is a different question. Y'all can put your hands down now. All right, so only 7% of us. No, I don't, I don't do that well. I don't know. Um, but, okay, how many people would be willing to add that to your calendar to serve in is the other question. So the one is more of desire. The other is how how many would want to serve. All right, I see. All right, now you can raise your hands. How many would want to serve? All right. So when you get when you see Sharice out there at the metamorphosis table, just tell her that you that you want to. Uh, no, actually, make sure you you fill out the volunteer form, and I'm going to change. I'm going to add Alpha course. I'm going to add Alpha course, and you can just check it off. All right, you can just check. That's how you want to volunteer, and then we will. Take steps to make that happen. So, probably in October after our retreat. Ah, uh, no, no, no. Maybe at the beginning of the year, because then we will have the holidays coming up and all that. So, um, so, so is that it? One more question. Okay, Alpha's coming or something like it. Uh, so. Uh, this this person asks, is it acceptable for a Christian to use strong language to relate to a non-believer who is also speaking with strong language? <laughs> it really depends on the strength of the language. <laughs> so if it's just strong language, uh, that's is strong and not obscene. Okay, but if it's obscene talk, uh, if it's if it's coarse talking, I mean, scripture mentions those. Um. So so I would you know, but if it's um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Do we know this person? Okay. 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 Uh, so. For myself, I would generally say, I'll say what, what, what I would say for myself. I mean, one, I don't probably don't speak in the type of language the person envisions. But one of the reasons I wouldn't is because I would want there to be some kind of difference uh, between myself and the person. I remember, I remember somebody, somebody at this place I used to work with, obviously that was a long time ago, they're like, they, they said something, and I acknowledged, I was, yeah, that's, that's real, what you said is real. But I said it like in a way that put parameters around it. He was like, man, you just good. <laughs> now, I'm not saying that you, like, that you want people to say that because I don't want people to say that about me. Um, right? I don't want it to be about my goodness. I want it to be about something different. right? But to just sprinkle a little salt, I would steer away from speaking exactly the way people speak to me. Um, so, I mean, the strength of the language, I mean, if it's strong, I mean, if you, there's certain people that you have to die, speak strong with, um, but you don't have to be coarse. You don't have to be obscene in your, in your talk with them. So if they mean obscene talk or coarse talking and joking, I'm, no, I think Scripture prohibits us from that. But I think um, there are levels of talk that you can engage people with, with strength on strength, 
um, that just can be helpful for them, those types of personalities. But you have to, again, you have to observe all, all that stuff. You have to apply all of that to the situation. But I don't, I don't do that. I know, but I will say I know Christians that do. Just you're not going to see me doing that. No advising me. That's me. Um, so that was it, right? All right, thank you. So we're looking for Alpha in 2024. We're looking for it so we can lift up the name of Jesus Christ who laid down his life so that we could have life and offer that to other people. So at this time, we're going to take the elements of communion, which are for those who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ, who trust in Jesus as their Lord and as their Savior. Um, we're going to take these elements. And I will be more clear in what I just said. Communion, the Lord's Supper, is for those who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ as their Savior. Um, and they strive to live their life for him. If, if that's not you, um, I pray that something was said to help you consider embracing him as your King of Kings and Lord of Lords as well. Those of us who believe in him, we know that he has given his life so that we might have it. And he did it by sacrificing his body on the cross. Let us take and eat the wafer which represents that broken body for us right now. broken body shed blood for us which gives us the remission or the taking away of our sins that's what Christians believe and because of that blood and that broken body we've been made new old things the scripture says have passed away all things have become new let us take and drink in celebration of what he's done, the juice which represents his blood shed for us. And now let's practice lifting his name up, not only here, but wherever we go, by singing this song with our worship team. How great is our God. Oh, oh, oh. 
with us. May God do it, and may we respond to what he's doing. In Jesus' name, have a great week. Pastor Kurt will be back next week to move us forward and where we're going. God bless you. See you next week.